Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. What's happening in your life that you can use as a platform to declare that it is God who is moving and doing things? Hi, this is Keith Tusi. Welcome to Leadership in Context. In our last podcast, we talked about Elijah's run-up to this great miracle that's going to happen when he confronts the prophets of Baal. So in this series that we're talking about in embracing the supernatural, there's just some things I want to point out to you so that we can grasp not only man's context. You know, when you look at a miracle, obviously you're looking at it from how did this affect me? How did it affect them? But I think it's important to get God's perspective on some of these miracles. Actually, you could probably divide miracles in the Bible into two general categories. One is responding just to the need of man and God's intervention, like the miracle before this where Elijah raises the widow's son from the dead. That's a, that's a man-based need that was requested. You know, she, she reached out to Elijah for that. This miracle, however, here, is God instigating. I I would call this almost God picking a fight. So God initiates some miracles too. But as we saw in the last podcast, if you didn't listen to that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it, that God has partners in these miracles. We usually see the manifestation of it, but God is always seeding the ground and doing something behind the scenes here. So I want to pick up this miracle with Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal, which was not his idea. God told him to go and do it. In verse 21, it says, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But of Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. It's very interesting that they didn't answer him a word. And I don't really claim to have any insight on that particular part of it. But we see here the agenda for the miracle. God is going to give Israel a chance to reclaim their identity. Elijah is going to put Baal on trial. Okay, so we've got to understand that. Uh, If you go to verse 27... Maybe one of the most humorous verses in the Bible. I can't read it without getting a smile on my face. It says, And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them, meaning the prophets of Baal, and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside. Uh, a lot of scholars literally believe that Elijah was saying maybe he's gone out and gone to the bathroom. That's literally what the the Hebrew intention here is. Uh, And of course, the prophets of Baal have been crying out and cutting themselves and carrying on. And and Elijah just begins to mock them here. I I guess there is a place for sarcasm, huh? Uh, The apostle Paul certainly used it a lot. For he either is occupied or gone aside, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. And uh, they cried with a loud voice, 28, and they cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. But there was no God that was going to answer them. Uh, Now, if you go back to verse 17, let's just retrace this for a minute. If you go back to verse 17, 
when Elijah saw, when, or excuse me, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you troubler of Israel? Remember, uh, Ahab has had an all nation search on for Elijah to get him for the last three years because of the drought. But Ahab uses Obadiah, arranges a meeting uh, with Ahab. And so when Ahab meets Elijah, he realizes that when God works through Elijah, it causes him problems. There is a prophetic place in the supernatural where it disrupts the flow of, we could say, society. or It interrupts the agenda of kings. I love Elijah's response here, and this is critical. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. So with every miracle, there's an agenda. With every miracle, there's a platform. When God does something supernatural, he wants his people to step up and own it and say why God did it. You know, I had a situation some years ago where I was on trial for contempt because of not testifying against some pro-lifers in a in a civil matter. And the judge there was very antagonistic toward me. And when I was supposed to go back before him after being arrested for contempt, he had gotten suddenly ill and uh, was never able to return to the bench. Actually, never be, never served as a judge again. That was his, his, his last act was issuing a contempt order for me. And I had a reporter come to me and say, what do you think about this? And I asked him, I said, what do you think about it? He said, do you think God had something to do with this? And I said, yeah, I think God did have something to do with it. Now, listen, I took some heat for that, but I think when God intervenes and God does something, we've got to step up and own it. And there was an article in the, it was issued in Florida Today, a subsidiary of USA Today, and it, it talked about that story. And uh, it was very interesting. Actually gave me, believe it or not, a pretty fair shake in the way I presented myself. So when God does something, when God intervenes, we need to be prepared ahead of time to step up and use the platform of that miracle and say, yes, absolutely, God did it uh, without equivocation. And we don't have to explain how God does something. We don't even have to know all the whys on why God did something. But I think we do have to give God the credit. So here, he's just very, you know, in Ahab's face and saying, listen, you're the one that's caused the trouble here, not me. And then something interesting happens. Elijah says, uh, verse 19, now send and gather to me all the, all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashereth who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, why would Ahab agree to this? Think about that. He's got everything to lose and nothing to gain. I believe he agreed to it because he was a believer. I think he really believed that whatever was going to happen, that Elijah would be humiliated and the people would throw their allegiance to the king with their whole heart. And so what you've got to realize is when you're dealing with demonic forces, oppressive forces, when you're dealing with tyranny, you know, we just automatically assume 
that these people know what they're doing in the negative sense. And the truth is, many of them, listen to me, many of them are real believers. They really believe the nastiness with which they are they are propagating. There are people that really believe in racism. There are people that really believe in eugenics. There are people that really believe in abortion. There are people that really believe in sexual identity transfer. It seems hard for us to believe, but there are people that really believe this, and they will agree to a showdown. Uh, I've had pro-life debates with people on college campuses, organized debates, and it always amazed me that anybody would agree to debate that subject because there's absolutely no fact to what they stand on if the person uh, you know, engaging them knows what they're talking about at all. But they are real believers, and uh, they often believe that whatever happens, they're going to get their word out. I remember we were in South Carolina. It was over the Valentine's Day weekend, and we were doing uh, Have a Heart rallies in uh, across the state. I think we did them in three different cities. And this young woman showed up, very well-dressed, very well-spoken, unlike a lot of the pro-abortion people that we meet. And she tried to do an impromptu debate with me. There was, there was a good many news people there with cameras. And so we engaged each other for a few minutes. And honestly, to say she was bad would be an understatement. This young woman was woefully unprepared. I could have argued her case better for her. And so later that night, this was in a hotel uh, conference room. Later that night, I'm in the elevator, in the back of the elevator. It's crowded. Some camera people get on from the news thing, and they're talking about the debate. I'm in the back of them. I can hear them. And they're saying, oh, man, that that girl, she got she got obliterated. <laughs> you know, they were just commenting on how I just kind of, like, took her arguments apart. And the truth wasn't that I was so, you know, uh, amazingly uh, articulate, the truth was this girl had no idea what she was even talking about. She couldn't have defended anything uh, for the pro-choice side. And why they picked her, uh, I think because she had a camera presence, honestly. And uh, I, I think they were depending on the media to throw her some softballs. And in this case, they just didn't. They just we just got into kind of a spontaneous engagement and they recorded it. Uh, I don't think they actually played any of that on the media. They showed it on TV, you know, just the talking heads like us going back and forth. But it was interesting hearing those camera people. So what I'm telling you is there, there are real believers. And so Ahab agrees to this, of course, uh, Elijah humiliates them. I actually shouldn't say Elijah humiliates them. God humiliates them and ends up that something very prophetic happens, and that's in verse 31. Why did God do this miracle? Look at verse 31. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. You know what, what Elijah was doing? This miracle is about calling people back to him. Yeah, there was a divided kingdom, okay, but God was calling his people back to him. He was reminding them who they were. They were the stones. They were the altar. They were the sons of Israel. And that's what this miracle is all about. 
This miracle was a challenge for them to get their identity from the God of Israel, not from Baal, not from political expediency of of being in Ahab's kingdom. In other words, he gave them an opportunity to make a decision. And that's exactly what ended up happening because the prophets of Baal go down and there was a stirring among God's people to return to the God of Israel. Hey, look into this, read this chapter. I'm sure you'll get some insights and ask yourself this question. Is there something that happening in my life right now where God has blessed me? Maybe it's not a miracle like fire falling from the sky, but God's favor and God's blessing are on your life. And he's given you a platform to really give him credit and give him the allegiance that's due his name. Make sure you take advantage of it. Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Today, Keith continued his discussion on the supernatural. With every miracle, there is an agenda. With every miracle, there is a platform. When God does something supernatural, he wants his people to step up, own it, and declare that God did it. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.